Hello, my sudsing animals. This is your soapy, we got it made host, Matthew Sanborn Smith, and his bubbly Bay City Blues Beware the Hairy Mango. It's the May 21st show. You probably heard the big news I posted earlier. I'm in the hole, and if I get $1,500 in donations between May 28th, 2015, and I'm extending the deadline to the end of June 13th, 2015, I'll do a Mucho Mango Mayo next year. You won't get any other episodes, but you'll get 31 episodes next May. As of this writing, we're already 28% of the way there, and I've given away all four of the books I had to offer. Lucky you, one listener who's getting a personalized mango has generously decided to share it with all of you, so you'll get a bonus episode this summer. Listen to the last post for more info. Today's story is all about bettering yourself after losing all the dead weight. Once you've pushed that glory hound G.I. Joe out of the spotlight, you can finally take your place at the top of the heap as G.I. Bill. G.I. Bill by Matthew Sanborn Smith. As the country's leading readers of popular science will tell you, there is a second brain in your stomach. I don't mean one that you've recently eaten. That would be a third brain, and also, you're gross. No, the stomach is lined with a network of neurons that is sometimes called the little brain. We all know that as far as the big brain goes, some are smarter than others, so it stands to reason the same would be true among the little brains. One little brain was so smart, it named itself William and decided to go to college. William was smart enough to know the dumb human he was inside wasn't going to get him there. That kid was convinced. President Eisenhower had invented chicken. William had to lose his person and fast. William was a masterful impressionist, and when his kid went to the doctor for a routine examination, William pretended to be an out-of-date interior from the 1980s. The doctor was appalled and convinced the kid's mother to update to the latest model of GI tract, complete with power teeth and a colon warmer. Before someone who wasn't involved knew it, William was removed to make room for his replacement, and he snuck out of the medical waste bin when no one was looking. William headed straight for the nearest university and impressed the admissions people so much they agreed to give him a free education as long as he would volunteer himself as a model for the anatomy classes and one disgusting art class. Fortunately for him, he dodged the cooking class at the last minute. He was so good in the medical classes, an entire generation of doctors went out into the world believing that every gastrointestinal tract wore a baseball cap and blue contact lenses. A frightening amount of people had to undergo unnecessary surgery because of it. William himself went into biological exploitation research in which new uses were found for the fleshy things all around us, or inside of us in William's case. He caused quite a stir in academia when he presented his doctoral thesis on wrapping his Christmas gifts with his own tapeworms. Just as he was about to step into the professional world, although there was nothing funny or beer-related about it, William found himself in the middle of a brouhaha. Other brainy body parts were suing the university for giving William a free ride, while they had to pay up to three times as much just to use a calculator on campus. There were the bright eyes, the brilliant smiles, the highbrows, the smart asses, and the deep cleavages who excelled at philosophy. When a mob of these intellectual organs surrounded William's fourth floor apartment door, he offered them the only thing a stomach had that college students might want, acid. After dropping a tab or three, his enemies began hallucinating what William had eaten for breakfast. They were carried away by clouds of fluffy eggs and rain down on the earth below in fat drops of bacon grease. In reality, they had rained down on the earth below from the balcony of William's fourth floor apartment. Problem solved. But it never would have happened if William hadn't mustered the courage to confront them. That guy had guts. If this story gutted your fish, you can weigh it and other scales at the URL of the big old belly BewareTheHairyMango.com. It's time for mail. Email BewareTheHairyMango takes more than one to tango The only other rhyme is Durango Unless you stretch Mustango John writes 
Just saw Judas Priest, and the first song was Hellbent for Mango. Last song was Turbo Lover, but I know he meant Mango. I could see it in his aviator sunglasses. Then he wrote, because he likes to send his emails in pairs, It's not good mail, but it's mail. Thanks, John. I never asked for good mail, so you're in luck. Are you saying Rob Halford meant Mango Lover, or he meant Turbo Mango? I'll take either. I'm your mango, mango! Thanks to David Bradshaw, the Canadian Judas Priest, who makes things other than our email song at davidbradshawmusic.com. Eat voraciously in the comments for this post, or look at me, mail me, and we'll show off to everyone from whom we crave love at Matthew at BeWareTheHairyMango.com, or overexpose ourselves in our not-dark-enough rooms at BeWareTheHairyMango at gmail.com. Are you still listening? Whenever we want to devour something without involving our digestive system, the SF and SF signal stands for Sonic Fries. And I'm not talking about the french fries at a Sonic drive-in, but french fries made of solid sound. They go great with our Vorpal burgers, but they're so addictive we overeat and inevitably wind up puking out of our ears. Tweet all your melted frozen treats at the soupiest ice creams drip all over me at twitter.com slash upwithgravity. Mmm, sweet milk soup. Beware-the-hairy-mango.tumblr.com is like the creepy back alley of the internet where your mother told you never to go. She's not the boss of you anymore. We've got all sorts of cool things here. We're like a black market alternative convenience store with self-smoking cigarettes and buffalo chips. I don't know, how much have you got on you? Remember that if you guys donate another $1,100 by the end of June 13th, 2015, we can get together this time next year and do another 31 shows. I learned from history, people. When I ask you to donate, it's for keeps. Mark Antony's greatest failing was in asking all those people to lend him their ears. If he didn't have to give them back, he could have dropped several tons of ears on Agrippa's ships at the Battle of Actium, and we'd all be walking like Egyptians today, and not just in the 80s. I rest my case. This podcast crosses the country with a pickup truck and gets a nation state with a bed big enough to haul three territories but only gets nine million gallons a mile on the highway though it seems like it should get a deal there since it carries its own highways with it wherever it goes not to mention its fuel lines are longer than most interstates but the biggest downside of all is that everyone on the planet calls it up for help whenever they're moving into a new creative commons attribution on commercial share like 4.0 international license until the X-Men get into a fight with their ex-wives, this will inch toward the foot of Matthew Sanborn Smith's yard and tell you Nurse Chapel secretly refers to Mr. Spock's modified condoms as vulcanized rubbers. Good night.